Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. God, Spock, it is not that scary. I just don't like horror, sir. It's barely even horror. It's like the stevia of horror. Well, I don't like artificial sweeteners either, sir. They leave a strange aftertaste in your mouth and they make my stomach feel funny. Actually, a really good parallel for what this is doing to me now. Technically, stevia is a natural sweetener. I think you're thinking of Splenda. Anyway, they're both gross, and how did I get derailed by sucrose? Spock, are you going to watch Stranger Things or not? We promised Admiral Langley that we'd write a chapter for his latest tome. (sighs) We did do that. Then I will ready myself and sally forth. For the Admiral. For the Admiral. Welcome, friends at home! I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, writer, educator, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I am Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And I really don't love horror. (laughs) Yeah. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Yeah, so uh, so this was a hard one for you, huh? It, it was so hard that, like, just to give folks a sense of, like, you know, how the cookie gets made, um, we did, in fact, like, I agreed to watch the final season because we were writing a chapter mm-hmm. uh, for the pop psychology book series that we often write. Popular culture psychology. Does that matter? It matters to the Admiral. (laughs) Okay. Popular culture psychology book series that we we often write for. um, (laughs) Edited by one Dr. Travis Langley. Mm -hmm. But the fun fact here is, or it's like not so fun because the reasoning was sad. I didn't actually ever watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, when we wrote this chapter because my dog Marinette was dying. And I remember, like, I was having a panic attack because it was before we found out that she was dying, but I knew something was wrong. And mm-hmm. I had a panic attack after a very long clinical day. And, like, the light was on in the closet. It was, like, the only light on in my bedroom <laughs> office. It was quite grim. And I remember you you texted me and you're like, how are you? And I was like, I'm having a panic attack. And the first thing you said, which was so sweet, it was something to the effect of, I'll take the lead on this one. <laughs> 
And then I think it was just like, it was, I think it was, it was later that week that we took Marinim in and like realized that something was like really, really wrong. Mm-mm. Yeah. And you like basically wrote this entire chapter by yourself. And then I, <laughs> my big contribution was um, the end notes, <laughs> <laughs> which very helpful. And I did do edits. That's true. Mm-hmm. You, you're much better uh, following instructions than I am. I think that's that's true. That surprises no one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now that you're saying that, I'm remembering we did a phone call mm-hmm. um, after you sent me the first draft. And I was like, can I be honest? And you were like, yes, always. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's a bit of a muddle. <laughs> it's a- and you were like, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was. And then you're right. We did. We like talked through how to rework it. Mm-hmm. And then you went forth and you you did that beautiful work. I did. I did. But I needed did. I needed help with where to go. Mm-hmm. Because I think I had written like four pages of <laughs> just kind of a mess. That's true. And initially it was like four pages and each page was going in a, a radically different direction. And so maybe not radically, but like they were, it was going in like different directions. It was like, you know, north, south, east, west. And so we, we sort of like got everyone back mm-hmm. together and, and made her a nice little circle instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and if friends at home, you are curious, you can pick up Stranger mm-hmm. Things Psychology, Life Upside Down, wherever you yes. get fine books. Um, That's right. We'll link it in the liner notes. Great. And proceeds are going um, to... <clears throat> Uh, foundations that work with missing and exploited children. Which is really lovely. Which, I mean, not that they're missing or exploited, but it's lovely that that's where the funds went. Yes. Yes. It's, it's nice to, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice to be as part of something that is in some small way helping with real life dramas. And horrors. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, at my, at my training sesh, this morning with with our beloved trainer tyler oh yeah uh, i mentioned that you had finally watched this and he was like she finally watched the whole series i'm like no 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 she finally watched season four he's like did she only watch season four i'm like yeah she only watched season four well the only season i haven't watched is season three okay i've seen one and two season three came out my recollection is it came out in one of the summers during the first two years of the pandemic mm-hmm and I was just, like, not in a good headspace. And it's, like, forever. I think I watched one episode, maybe one and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this is not for me. <laughs> uh, see, I love it because it's, it's all centered around the mall. Starcourt Mall has it all. Yeah, I do remember that and the, a little bit. And the mall was such a vital part of life in the 80s and 90s when I was a young person. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I do see how, like, th- that would have a positive draw for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I simply wasn't going to be able to do both the mall and the horror. And I think we decided together that, like, watching season four was most important. Though I did think that you, and, like, I get why you thought this. You were like, Lewis is a completionist. Certainly. She'll break <laughs> down and do the whole thing. And then when I finally t- like texted you that I was watching it, you were like, oh, wow, you already made it to season three. And I was like, no. Like, just not, no. just not even going to do it, huh? Not even going to do it. Nope. I used context clues. It was, I think it was mostly fine, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, one could. I just, mm-hmm. there's, 
there are some beautiful moments in season three um, that I appreciate, especially as a as a queer human. Mm. And so I when you texted me that you yeah. were not a huge fan of Robin. Yeah, that was a hard message. Yeah, I am really sorry about that. Um, I was in a very crappy place <laughs> when I was watching the two and a half hour finale. So, so much time, so much horror, so much CGI smoke. Um, <laughs> and I was so crappy that it did not, it, like, you told me how much you like Robin, but for some reason mm-hmm. that was just, like, not an awareness Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just saying some sort of like offhanded thing. And the reason that I don't like Robin is it, her character feels like such pandering to me. Mm. At least in like season four, like it just feels like they are like pandering to broaden representation. And they've done it in such a way that like they could like edit it out for like the Chinese market. Oh, oh, I mean, that surely that is a thing you would notice and I wouldn't. Right? That makes sense yes. to me. And, like, surely that is a thing that, like, my brain would be going to when I'm sitting down and watching horror, which is a thing that, like, my nervous system really doesn't enjoy. And so my way of coping through that is to just go, like, full on Spockian critic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's this lovely moment in season three. And I'm not going to make you watch season three because I... No, you can tell me all about it. Um, But when, when she comes out to Steve... And this is a scene that our dear friend Scott Jordan and I have performed live in front of a wow <laughs> in front of a convention audience. I know that Scott loves performing things mm-hmm. at conventions. Yes, while we performed uh, Robin's coming out, Aww. and uh, to much acclaim. But Tammy Thompson's a girl. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that sparked a lot of joy for me. That's really lovely. You know, because I didn't I didn't really do the coming out thing. Hmm. Yeah. And I I didn't necessarily feel like I had to. Sure. I told my mom when I was 13. Have I told you this before? No. Oh, yeah. So I, I I think I was 13. And I said something to the effect of like, I don't know what the context was, but I was like, you know, well, I mean, you know, I'm bi, right, mom? And her response was pretty much like, oh, well, you know, you'll get over it. <laughs> that does sound like me. <laughs> and honestly, like, I, to be fair to your mom, like. Mm-hmm. That continues to be somewhat of a prevailing oh, yeah. perspective, mm-hmm. you know, in a variety of communities mm-hmm. um, at this point that, like, there's there's some real, like, disbelief that bisexuality is even a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It either gets, um, you know, vilified because, you know, the buys they just, they steal everybody's loved ones. And they're insatiable. Uh, <laughs> it's the narrative, right? They just can't ever get enough protein. <laughs> or we don't exist. 
And it's like the yeah. Sex in the City thing, which I did not like Sex in the City. See, yeah, there's a thing I didn't like, but you did. Um, I know, that's true. <laughs> but I think it's important, or it's important to me to note that, like, I found the original season to be a decent comedy. Mm-hmm. This new situation. Mm. That's a yikes from me, friends. Okay, yeah. And just like yeah. that, is that what it's called? It is, it is. Yeah. Yeah, but there, there's a whole section in there that's about how, you know, buys or gays waiting to happen or something. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, oh, no, they're in the, uh, they're on a layover to gay town, I believe was how it was. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, that feels like the show. That show had a very, it it had a very like heteronormative lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Samantha yeah. tried to embrace her bisexuality. That got all weird for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to like name that. Like, and I do, I do think it. I think it did have a have a pretty strong heterosexual lens, mm-hmm. despite the fact that like one of I know Darren Star created it, but like. Michael Patrick King really took over in the later half of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he is, he's a proud gay man. Um, yeah. So you got some gays, but, but n- ne'er a bisexual. <laughs> so anyway. Yes, we digress. We digress because, because Robin on the show is, you know, she, she's saying that she's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I, I believe her, um, even though when I portray her, <laughs> I think to myself, bisexual. <laughs> well, her love interest in season four seems like she's bisexual. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was, I was sad that you did not enjoy Robin as much as I did. I get it. Yeah. I know. I get it. And it's also, it's the Nepo baby thing, isn't it, for you? <sighs> Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, I mean, I really like both of her parents as actors, you know, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. I'm a big fan of both of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this, like, would have, like, squared the circle for me, but I know that, like, Maya originally, I think she was going to Juilliard. Maybe. Um, and for some reason for me, I, I think I would have been like, okay, you completed your studies. But the fact that she abandoned her studies, I think, in, like, either the end of her first year or the start of her second, mm. I was like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> I, I love this attitude. Like, I, could, I couldn't even get my ass into Juilliard. Yes, but you got your ass into plenty of other places, and you stuck it out, and you got your degree. This is like... <laughs> This is clearly a part of me that, like, really, one, holds on to this idea that, like, when you start a thing, you ought to finish it. Except for Stranger Things. Yeah, no, like, we'll, we'll, we'll move back <laughs> to that. Because, like, I think it's important to know, like, when is your ending uh, when it comes to, like, works of art? Especially, mm-hmm. like, in this day, in this, like, late-stage capitalist hellscape where, like, so much of art is um, commodified and commercialized. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you as a human. And, like, even... Putting that aside, but we'll focus on that for right now because I got to focus on something. Mm -hmm. I think, like, as a human, you got to decide, like, when is your ride done? When is your journey over? Mm -hmm. Um, And that clearly is held by a different part of me than, like, really, this is my more conservative part that's like, well, 
you start a thing in school, you should like finish it to some degree. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Nepo baby, then like, you know, you should have to like work for it somehow. And school made sense to me that that would have been how she would work for it. Okay. That's. Let me like really also name and acknowledge that like this is a lot of fandom attachment, parasocial relationship coming from me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Maya Hawk. I'm not here to like opine on what she actually should have done. I'm speaking for a part of myself that like has created a narrative mm-hmm. about the bits and bobs that I know. Yeah. Good. I mean, good awareness. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't. I didn't realize who she was at first. Sure. Yeah. Um, it took me a minute of being like, Hawk, wait a minute. She looks like both her parents. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she does. She's such like a beautiful mishmash of them. And, you know, like this really does like fall into like the parts of me that just love celebrity gossip. So I knew all of that. I also think this is a beautiful like case study for me to like name and own that like what was actually happening for me throughout my viewing of season four mm-hmm. of Stranger Things was that, like, I I can't handle horror. It is too much for me. I want to talk I about don't, that. Mm-hmm. I don't like it even a little bit. And so the way that I was attempting to cognitively cope mm-hmm. was to, like, distance via cr- critique and criticism. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, critiquing, like, my percept. I was, like, creating – I was critiquing my perception of, like, why my hawk left schooling. <laughs> I was critiquing like Netflix and their clear involvement with like how the story is structured. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was critiquing story choices, like, and all of that was a way for me to like attempt to cope through what was frankly a very difficult and unpleasant emotional experience. Yeah. Do, and I mean, you don't have to share with the audience if you don't want mm. to, but do you know what it is about horror that is so distressing? Um, I don't actually have a good bead on it. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I know that like, even now sitting with that, I'm like, oh, oh, (laughs) and it's not, it's not like gore, right? Cause like, Mm -hmm. I love Tarantino movies and that's like, right. That's all gore. Blood all over the place. That's too much blood for me. Right? It's not like intense emotions. No, uh, God, you and Dostoevsky, Jesus. You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Love, like, give me some Tolstoy. Let's, like, really think about trains. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, this is what Tyler and I talked about this morning. Because he was like, I know she doesn't like horror. And I'm like, I know, but I don't understand why she doesn't like horror. Because she's no. be, because she's not bothered by, I don't think it's the gore. It's certainly not the emotional stuff. Like. You and you much more enjoy like getting into emotional shit than I do. Yeah. Scenes from a marriage. Case in point. No, you know? thank you. That's my horror. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it's that I don't like being scared. Oh. I have a very I startle very, very, very easily. Mm-hmm. And like even jump scares that are like so obviously telegraphed. And this is something that like I've chatted about with like Brian, my partner, mm-hmm. or our producer a fair amount as well that like our farmer it doesn't matter how much it's telegraphed it doesn't matter like how obvious what's going to happen next is Mm -hmm. i i like can't tolerate it it's so upsetting and so distressing it's not fun and you know like i think it's all of a piece like i don't like surprises (laughs) 
which is I, so hard for me because I love I know, surprises. Because you love them, but like I have never really met a surprise that I've enjoyed personally. Um, you liked doing just, a surprise. I liked doing a surprise. Mm-hmm. I liked being in on the surprise, but I don't like having a surprise done to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in any context, positive, negative, neutral, I don't like it. <laughs> um, and I have, I have a profound, <laughs> profound home invasion fear. Oh. Um, which I'm certain is like like ancestral Jewish stuff for me, mm-hmm. um, but like it is it is intense and like a lot of horror is based on like jump scares, surprises of all kinds, <laughs> and someone invading your home. <laughs> I don't as much now, but I I used to have a, a very big fear of home invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, to be fair, my my home did get broken into. Uh, luckily, I wasn't oh, there, but okay. But still, the violation. See, I didn't feel that way when it actually happened. When it actually happened, I felt like, well, you know, it's it's the early aughts. Everyone's unemployed. I, I sure, <laughs> sure. I yeah. I live in a you know, little bit of a socioeconomically downturned area. area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw my big screen TV through the window, and they decided they would have that and probably sell it and you know i hope by basic needs but what do i know who's you you just don't know you just don't know i really i thought that if my home was broken into i would feel like oh my god the violation but i really felt like yeah that sucks and also i get it wow that's amazing right around that time i don't think no we didn't we wouldn't know each other we would not have known each other point Mm -mm. um but i had my bike stolen oh and i remember feeling so violated it was so hard for me to it like took me months to move past it and and no i was gonna say and i wasn't even mad but i was like that's not true i certainly did have angry parts (laughs) i was like yeah i was Mm -hmm. like fully Yeah, I remember I was just so overwhelmed. I'm like pausing and going back to that memory. I'm like, wow, yeah, I was like really overwhelmed mm-hmm. with rage. And like, you know, continuous listeners will probably, this will not shock you. And if you know me at any capacity in life, this will also not shock you. Mm-hmm. That like, I'm not like an angry person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like quick to anger. I'm not quick to, quick to yell. Mm-hmm. That's not, but like, I remember like when I realized my bike had been stolen out of the basement in like the building I was living in at the time, I like saw red. Mm. It was so upsetting. Also a surprise. <laughs> yeah. I, what disturbed me, and I, I mm-hmm. friends, I promise we'll get back to Stranger Things in a minute, but. We will. What disturbed me, my house is broken into twice. Ooh. In quick succession, which is why we moved. Sure. Um, but because there had been an economic downturn and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. We had friends who got broken yep. into multiple times as well, and they eventually moved too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember if it was the first or the second time. One of the times disturbed me because I was not working at the time, and so they had to have been watching to see when I left the house. Oh, yeah. And that that was creepy in a mm-hmm. I'm being watched way. Yeah. And in a 
I think this is one of my neighbors who did this way. And that just felt bad. Yeah, because they know you. Or, you know, they even I didn't know my neighbors as well in that neighborhood as I do in this neighborhood, just because people were a little bit more um, closed boundary wise. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, given what you're sharing, this all makes sense. (laughs) It tracks. Yeah. Um, But still, it's like, yeah, we're we're in this neighborhood together and somebody, you know, somebody was watching me and that that didn't feel good. And no, they took my jar of coins. And let me tell you, that's what I was most upset about. Mm-hmm. because it, they were in this ceramic bowl that oh. I had gotten when we lived in West Virginia. Sure. And I was like, this is, you know, this is something that we we got as a, you know, I don't know, a memory, a totem yeah. of our time. It sent- yeah, it was sentimental. And I was like, you couldn't just dump the change out? I don't care about the change. But you t- And it's not as if like the ceramic bowl is something that's like, wow, we can get a great price. <laughs> no. No. At the pawn shop for this. <laughs> no, no. Ceramic bowls, I don't think they even sell them at pawn shops. No, they'd be like, is that an ashtray? I don't want that. Right. They'd be like, we'll throw it in for free or a dollar. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. I know. I know. They got the TV and the Wii. And I was like, well, that sucks. And my laptop, which really sucked. I was like, oh. I have assignments on there. oh that this all sounds very upsetting yeah and yet like as like and i know like some of this is like the benefit of time and i'm like you're telling the story and like in a very like narrative chill calm fashion Mm -hmm. yeah because i i have i've had plenty of time to -hmm. make sense of it and how we got here was fear of home invasion i used to have that a lot when i was a kid okay my dad uh, when he would leave the house, I think I've shared this on the pod before, um, you know, because I came up in the 80s when we used to live, leave children alone mm-hmm. and you did not get reported to CPS for that. Even in like the 90s, depending on where you lived, because like we mm-hmm. got left alone a lot, too. And it was just like, well, yep, lock the doors. Yeah. Well, he would say, don't let Jason in. Oh, God, your dad totally would do that. <laughs> Leaving a child alone. And then he's like, don't burn the house down. Don't let Jason in. Mm. And I was terrified of both burning the house down and serial killers. Wow. And yet you still watch horror movies. Right. Yes. So the this is where I was headed. This long winding road was headed somewhere. <laughs> Which is that for me, I think mm-hmm. the way that my parts have made sense of all of this is yeah. I'm really going to embrace the horror movie. I'm going to know how they work. I'm going to know how criminal minds work. Huh. And then I'll somehow be safer. I mean, it does. It makes a kind of sense. It does. Mm-hmm. Right. The more, the more information I have, the safer I will be. Mm. This is so a fallout of like the enlightenment era, which is where we get like logic and reason and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, in like in, in Europe, when we were doing the Age of Enlightenment, we were like, what does this all mean? And it was like drastically changing so many things. And like art and history and society, mm-hmm. it was this idea that like, well, it had lots of ideas. But one of the ideas was that like, if we know enough facts, mm-hmm. if we can reason our way through. We got our scientific method. We can, we can handle anything that comes at us. 
Yeah. Well, and also I get to feel masterful, right? Because as I'm watching the movie or Stranger Things or whatever, and, you know, they're headed into into the upside down, I get to be like, no, don't do that. Or, you know, I I get the 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 perspective of knowing what's going to happen or feeling like I know what's going to happen. And, sure. and so I get to be in this, this position of being an expert. Wow. That is, that is not what happens for me. <laughs> no, no, no. I emotionally fuse with those characters and I'm like, there's nothing I can do to help them. Oh, what a feeling of powerlessness. Oh no. See, I'm just there. Like, can we talk about Eddie Munson for a minute? I yes, I really loved Eddie. I really, really loved. Thank Eddie. goodness, because I was like Eddie was so great. I was like, listen, mm-hmm. we can disagree on a lot of stuff. Yeah, but you best not be coming back saying you didn't like Eddie Munson. No, Eddie was Eddie was so delightful. That actor was so great. He had mm-hmm. such great, like he really he had such great verve with. I can't remember the other kid's name. Dustin. Right now. Dustin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they had they had such great chemistry. Dustin always has great chemistry with the older he's a, kid. Yeah, he's an excellent actor. And you know what? I would have really loved too. I really would have loved if like. And I. This is. Oh, we're gonna go back to Eddie. But like Nancy and Steve, I was like, please, please, Duffer Brothers, stop with these tired old storylines. If you're in season four, let's do new things. Let's do it. Let's commit. Um, by the Tyler end of it, and I, I was, both disagree with you. <laughs> I was, I was like, good God, just like kill Nancy at this point. Like, if that's what you got to do to like give me a new story, because you know who had real mag, like magnetism between them, Steve and Eddie did. Oh yeah, that's a romance that I want to see. Okay, yeah, all right. If you want to get gay, I'm into that. Yeah, I do want to get gay because I because <laughs> I think that's great and I think it's not represented enough and that's not a storyline you can cut out for any market. Then you're like you're actually taking a stand and you're not pandering. Mm. But let's go back to Eddie. <laughs> well, I was I was so mad about Eddie. I feel like they did him so wrong because he did not have to die. Mm. He, he didn't he didn't have to sacrifice himself. He could have lived after doing what he did. You're going to disagree narratively. Uh, what I'm going to say is this, and this is I like I think often on the show, I really try really hard to like invite my more like inner critic parts to step back. But they were truly the only way I coped through this season. So they're really <laughs> present here, friends. It's so, like friends at home. If this is your first time listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, Larissa, this is a lot. Please know that I know that. <laughs> and I'm doing my best. And also most episodes aren't aren't quite like this. <laughs> Where my like critical parts are so front and center. Um, but my critical parts were like, we're front and center because like part an aspect of what I was doing with them was like, what's happening, Duffer Brothers? Why are we writing things the way we're writing them? Mm. And like it does seem like it's very hard for them to like have characters leave. Mm-hmm. And they could leave for a number of reasons. Death doesn't have to be the only reason. Mm-hmm. Nancy perhaps should be leaving because she's off at college. Time to go. <laughs> we don't have to kill her. I take that back. Um, <laughs> but like I didn't, I wasn't. I honestly don't know if, like, narratively it actually made sense for Eddie to die. Like, they mm-hmm. did kind of set it up that way with him, like, being like, I never get to be the hero. And now he's, like, the right. ultimate hero. But he could have still sacrifice. been a hero without dying. 
Right. But like the reason I was like, meh, maybe I'm okay with this is because like I do want the Duffer brothers to edit themselves Mm. and be open to edits from their writing room. Like we just, we just keep adding more characters and more time and all of this stuff. And it's like, what are we focusing on? Mm -hmm. What is at the heart of this tale? What is at the heart of this tale? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I got to the end of it, man. I finished it like three hours ago because of fun fact. My dog Merlin is, he's a very sensitive boy. Mm -hmm. If any of you are familiar with this idea of like the highly sensitive person personality type that like some people are just like picking up on all the feels. Mm -hmm. That's Merlin. Oh, and so he hates when I watch Stranger Things because <laughs> he sees how upset it makes me. And I was like really trying to like get through. I was like, we're going to get it done. We can do this. And he finally just came into the bedroom where I was walking, where I was watching mm-hmm. it and just started barking at the television. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had to just turn it off. And so I finished it earlier today, right before a podcast recording. Okay. So it's all fresh in the mind. It is, but it also, like, I'm saying all this to underline just, like, how how much of a hard time I had with this season and with horror. And, like, I I don't know what's at the heart of the season four in part because, like, at a certain point I was like, I just got to get through this. I got to, like, grit my teeth and get through this in any way possible. Wow. Yeah. Just had such different experiences. I mean, you like horror, though. And... You also, I think, really appreciate this type of aesthetic nostalgia, which I think mm. is what the Duffer Brothers are super into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I like that sometimes, but I don't love it in the way that you do. And so, like, there just wasn't enough for me to hold on to. Oh, I was no. just, like, swimming frantically. Yeah, I would say the only parts that I felt, like, were a little bit of a slog when I was watching it, um, were Hooper's bits. Sorry, Hopper's mm. bits. Yeah. Um, you know, a, how much time can we spend in the Russian prison? <laughs> and then we had the the man with no name. Also in the Russian prison. and Yeah. Um, those parts were sort of like a, a respite, if you will. Right. Often. You probably liked those. You were like, oh, Tolstoy. This makes sense to me. It wasn't even that. It was more like, like there's not, there weren't as many jump scares. And so I was able to just, just angry like, Russians take a beat. Yeah. I was like, I get angry Russians. That's a huge part of my ancestral lineage. <laughs> just angry Russians yelling at you, telling you to get out. And this is not your land anymore. <laughs> I get that. Um, my people were from Poland. So it was like, this makes sense to me. <laughs> I know how to hold this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, okay. All right. So I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a way to ask this about psychology. Sure. Yeah. So not the, not the jump scare stuff. Uh-huh. How did you feel about Vecna's art? From a psychological perspective. 
I liked some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can remember of it, because again, when like that was a lot of horror from from our our, our dear our dear Vecna, and mm-hmm. so like that was just like flooding my brain with stress hormones. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make my usual <laughs> encyclopedic fact based. <laughs> Prefrontal prefrontal cortex accessible memory of that. I have Mm -hmm. a lot of like just like emotion memories. So when you said that, I was like internally, I was like, "Uh." Um, (laughs) lots of things happening in the amygdala. I thought he was interesting at first, but then I was very concerned that they were going to fall back on like he's just basically an evil child, Mm -hmm. and that's what they did. They kind of used him to be like a riff on like evil children, omen, the orphan style. Um, and I wish that he had had more, I wish that like, I wish that there had been more shades of gray. I thought they did a a nicer job of that with 11, where it was like, who are you and what are you going to be? Yep. You're not just inherently a bad seed. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But like you are attracted to violence because it gives you power and it's part of your identity now. Mm hmm. Like, they had that, like, I think, like, lovely scene at the end. I think when they come back to the cabin, which is just such a mess. Um, And is it Finn? Mike. It's Mike. Finn is the actor's name. Mike has that moment where he's like, you know, this is really hard for her because she's never lost. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm glad you brought this up because it bothered me, too. That like mm-hmm. I liked the arc they were doing, and then we get that flashback, and it's like, oh, he was born bad. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't love that. It's like, no, I I would much more believe that he was inherently powerful and became bad because right. of because of the abuse, his, the right? Abuse at this lab and this testing and all the stuff with Papa. Ooh. Right, this abusive mm-hmm. father figure, mm-hmm. and. The abusive father figure who keeps him in the lab even after he yeah. his powers are, you know, numbed out or whatever. Right. Con- under control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I. Um, so I didn't know there was going to be another season. I thought this was going to be like the oh. series finale. Sure. Yeah. And I got to say, I kind of loved it as a mm-hmm. series finale. That just the world is ending and it's coming for them. And that's it. I kind of loved that. See that what that says to me is like we've really influenced each other over the years. <laughs> Cause I don't know if like, you know, this is our 77th episode. I don't know if like 75 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um I hadn't thought of it like that, but I I would love that. I would love if it this had been like a tight, like forty minutes per episode season. Mm-hmm. All that time in the van driving him around the desert. I was like, what are we doing? It's not a jump jump scare, but like Jesus, what is happening here? Um, You're either being terrified or bored to tears. I know it was just it was it was not they were not making this series for me and that's okay. There's plenty of like art out there. It doesn't mm-hmm. all have to be for me. Um, it, listeners, if you're hearing this and you're like, "Oh, Larissa, I'm so hurt. I love this." I'm like, I love that for you. I truly do. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have loved it too. I clearly couldn't though. Yeah, I tr- trust me, friends at home. I really wish Larissa liked horror more. Yeah, it's it's really hard, you know, especially like, at Halloween time. Because mm-hmm. I want to watch something scary, and you're always like, I. No, 
I can't help you. I'm done trying, which is very fair. Um, this goes back to something we've talked about with our good friend, Rachel, though, about, like, mm-hmm. cozy horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was, like, more what season one was. Season one had more of that, like, yes, it was scary. It was mystery. It was a mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah. There were horror elements. But it was, like, cozy and pleasant enough where I, I felt I felt secure and safe mm-hmm. enough to, like, listen and handle it. It was more like, are you afraid of the dark from Nickelodeon? And we've now crossed over into just, like, full-on Edward Scissorhands. Which is such a chill horror, too. Not for me, baby. <laughs> um, but to go back to your initial point, like, yeah, I think that would be so great if it was just over now. Because <laughs> I was, I, I thought, I, I, for whatever reason, I hadn't been paying enough attention to that particular property to know what the deal was. Yeah. And, and so I was, you know binging it as i do and i'm like so that's the end huh all right well i would have tied up some stuff but there it is there it is because it, it kind of gave me the vibes of um i like the way angel ended i don't know if you ever watched angel it was, i bits and pieces of it years and years and years ago mm-hmm. and it did have that like real bummer of a it's just the end but we're gonna face it together ending Right. Like, literally, the final mm-hmm. scene is the remaining members of the crew are charging into battle. And it's like, are they going to make it? Probably not. But we're going to go down fighting. Like, very Dean Winchester-y yeah. thing. But I, yeah. but I liked it. Because mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, that's right. That is what they would do. Right. And I don't need to know what happens. Because I'm going to fanfic it anyway. Right. And I do wish that there was more of leaving things up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, my my memory of having watched season one, though it's it's admittedly been years, is that there was more of that there. Um, well, yeah, it was simply the benefit of being like the first season, mm-hmm. and now it just felt like there's there was so much explaining and like I telling me how to feel, and I was like, listen. I'm miserable. What you're even what you're telling me how to feel is not what I feel. <laughs> but yeah, like I wish there that there had been more open endedness, and and there just there just like wasn't for me. Yeah, I I mean very much. I like I like that nostalgic vibe for the '80s. Mm-hmm. That is that hits me right in in your feels in my nostalgia zone. Mm-hmm. Um. And, I mean, down to the outfits, right? Like, it's... Truth. And something that Brian said to me this morning, because I was talking about it with him. And I and was you like, were like, how am I going to talk to Justine about this time that she loves so much? I was. And he was like, you're, you love her and you're going you're gonna to be kind. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your faith in me is beautiful. Um, but he, we were talking about nostalgia and he was like, you know, I think the thing about nostalgia is nostalgia is a, a certain kind of grief. I've written about that. And it's a certain kind of grieving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have written about that, that it's mm-hmm. like, we're going back to something, we're recreating it because we miss it and we grieve it and we actually can't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, that's going to be different for everybody. Like I have, mm. I very much have 80s nostalgia. Yeah. Um. Which 
it's been 80s fun. 80s cultural nostalgia. Like, let's be clear. Like, the 80s from, like, no, a sociopolitical not from, like, a political context perspective. was, like, the literal worst. And I want everyone to know that Justine knows that. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about, like, the aesthetic and a very particular yes. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I'm not like, oh, I wish the Berlin Wall was still up. <laughs> Reagan, if only he were still I miss us. Reagan. <laughs> To be real clear, that's not what I feel nostalgic for. Um, but yeah, like my my sisters were teenagers when I was a kid because they're ten sure. and twelve years older than me. So mm-hmm. these, you know, like the teens, yeah, in their, you know, uh, all those outfits just take me back. Oh yeah. So riddle me this: What's going on with Will's haircut? Is that is that an 80s haircut situation that they have that poor young man in? I really think what they're trying to do is tell us that he's poor. Hmm. Because the yeah. bowl cut was like, everybody had bowl. that bowl cut. Like, if, mm-hmm. if you couldn't go to the salon, your mom put a bowl on your head and cut yeah. around it. Okay. And so I think that's a class indicator. Sure, 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 sure. Um, also it like adds to how, uh, how awkward it is that, that the poor kid is gay. I'm hoping that they're finally going to flesh that out in the final season. Yeah. Cause if they just like kill him, that's going to be a real problem. We cannot bury that gay. Give him something nice. Give right? him a boyfriend. Right. Not Mike. No, no, they do need to give Mike something to do, though. I mean... He doesn't have to be doing another person, but he does need (laughs) something else to do. He needs, like, an interest or a hobby or, like, something. Like, he... I mean, it's sort of, like, there's certainly parts of me that are, like, look at that. There's a guy who's, like, been relegated to just the boyfriend role, which is totally him. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, it wasn't cool when we were doing it to girls. It's not, like, cool or fun when we're doing it to boys. It's just, Mm -hmm. like... Give Mike something. I don't know what that something is, to be honest. He's kind of hapless. Yeah. What it, what's he going to do? I don't know. Maybe he could be really good at math. Mathematical! <laughs> <laughs> and that'll help us somehow. Or he could be really, uh, yeah, like something with like maps or he could like really study up some sort of uh, like bow hunting skill. I don't know. I I truly don't know. And I'm showing that I really don't know. <laughs> well, because, I mean, through the whole show, Mike has never been the best at anything. No, no. And he was, you know, he, he, he had a lot of, like, heart in season one. And he was, like, really, he was very relational. Like, his mm-hmm. gifts, his gifts are in the, the building and the maintaining of relationships. Mm-hmm. But, at least in this season, to me, it really just feels like, and now they've whittled that down to, he's only maintaining his relationship with Eleven. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not doing any of that other relational work with, like, the group or his sister, or any, which he was doing in season one. And so I'm just like, oh, this poor shadow of a person from season one. We He needs something. The thing you didn't... Okay, so there's a couple things in season three. Yeah, there's sure there's there's one thing. Lord in knows I'm not going back to watch them. No, I know. So 
he, Mike and Eleven have this very, like, developmentally appropriate starting to, like, make out and close the door and, yes. you know. Not I do remember that from the first episode, yes. Not engage with Hopper, which I got annoyed with very quickly because I was like, yeah, okay, this is developmentally appropriate, but it's boring as a ah! viewer. But then, you know, they they kind of split ways and then Eleven gets to explore what it's like to be friends mm, with yeah. Sadie, who, mm -hmm. what's her name on the Max. show? Max. Um and, you know, gets to see what it's like to have a girlfriend, which is a different experience. Relationship, yeah. There's just, there's this beautiful thing, this mm -hmm. this letter that um, Hopper writes to Eleven before he is presumed dead. And sure. And she thinks he's dead. So she thinks she's <laughs> reading a letter from her, her dead adopted her dad. dead dad, yeah. And it's just really a beautiful letter about, like their closeness and how he mm. you know he was having a hard time with her growing up and just right. there's this beautiful relational stuff right and if there's something missing from season four i agree with you it's the relationships yeah they're just not as deep for any of any of the characters. No, and it's interesting because, like, clearly, clearly they had oodles of time. <laughs> yes. They had oodles of time. Cut and... out some of those driving scenes and put in some emotion. God, and do something. Have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and also, like, be willing to develop characters in a way that I think might be hard and divisive for audience members, but, like, would also... I think proof for like richer stories, like maybe Mike and Eleven don't end up together. Like I remember crushes I had when I was 11. <laughs> that would not have been a great relationship for me to stay in. No. You know, um, but like, ex and explore what that's like and what that does to each of them. And what does that do to the group dynamics? And can there mm -hmm. be a way where like they make a friendship back, you know? Mm-hmm. It it feels like at this point now, like the creators and the writers are like now like they're now nostalgic for the nostalgia that they've built. And they're holding on to like the original way that they wrote these characters and wrote these relationships. And it it just it doesn't it feels like it's not working because you literally can see these actors growing mm -hmm. and changing and maturing. But we're still supposed to believe in this relationship that started when they were like 11. Right. And I, I appreciated that we got some of Nancy and, mm. and Jonathan kind That's of right. like, like, oh, well, you know, Jonathan moved to California and we just don't talk as much and like. Maybe I'm nervous about us seeing each other again, and maybe that's not going to be a fit. Like, that's real. That's super real. It's hard, though, because they all look like they're 30. <laughs> Especially and, Jonathan. But, right. But, like, the, the actress who's playing Nancy does, too, at least to me. And, like, mm -hmm. to be fair, that was a very 80s vibe to look like you were 30 when you were still in high school. Sure, but, like, and it works with the kids who are actually, like, teenagers and 20s, mm -hmm. and it does stand out more, I think, to me, because, like, we are seeing 
like the core D and D group literally mm-hmm. growing up before our eyes. And so I'm like, yes, that's, that's what a teen looks like. And then Nancy's there and she's like, what do I do? I'm going off to college. And I'm like, Nancy, you're in college. <laughs> you're in, you're, you're in grad school. You're <laughs> at the very least we're graduating from college and when we're struggling or something like it just, mm-hmm. and again, these are my critical parts that were like front and center. Cause they were like, Oh, Larissa's having a hard time with all these feelings and what's happening to her nervous system, watching horror films. We know just what to do. Yeah. Can you translate any of that horror into metaphor? Because, I mean, predominantly that's what horror is. It's it's metaphor. Like in the context of the show? Like in, in the context of any horror movie. Or no, because I, I, no. No, because you're you? too scared. Because I'm too scared. I can't, I can't do any of that work. I just like try to, you know, pick apart like the logical inconsistencies mm-hmm. because getting into the depths of the metaphor is just too upsetting. <laughs> Which is so funny to me because I, like, didn't you study, like, French horror in college or something? No, I studied French literature. Okay. Maybe And, like, I... read, you know, like, took this 19th century novel class and that had, it was, like, written horror. But written horror I can handle mostly, um, especially if it's, like, old literature. New horror I don't like either. I'm not quite sure why, but that's definitely true. Uh, but like, yeah, if it's vis- the visual medium, too close, too close. My cursory understanding of like what horror is often supposed to depict is like, often it's like trying to talk about like violence against women in modern society, mm-hmm. right? Like often it's trying to talk about like the ravages of modernity. It's often- It's your favorite way, topic. Mm-hmm, right. Often it's like trying to talk about, but but sometimes in like a vilified sense, depending on like the nature of the horror, talking about like the ways that modern humans are on a primal level afraid of nature. Mm-hmm. But again, that's just me spitballing because like I can't, I can't do the emotional engagement with the metaphor. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too scurry. It's too scurry. Because <laughs> I'm too scared. I'm too scared. <laughs> Yeah, I just I and I get it. Like we don't have to agree on everything. I'm I'm not gonna read War and Peace. I no. tried once. No, I tried to read uh Crime and Punishment. Crime and Punishment. Yeah, can you imagine like 17-year-old me trying to read Crime and Punishment? I mean I can and it's like very endearing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I don't know if I was even reading. I was just turning pages. Well, and it's interesting because, like, actually 17 to, like, 19-year-old me, the friends that I had at the time were really into going to the horror movies of the time. Like, Jeepers Creepers was big for them. House of Wax, I remember seeing in theaters. Oh! And I want to be clear, this next bit is not an endorsement of this particular coping strategy, but it's definitely what I did. I would just get drunk and go to these films with them. So I would just be drunk, eating popcorn or drinking a soda. And yeah, I would just be like, I'm just like getting through this, trying to dull all of my feelings. And we'd walk out of the movie and my friends would be like, wasn't that so great? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. And so like years ago at this point when I was dating my husband, who at that point wasn't my husband, um... He kind of likes horror. Actually, he does. Yes. He's like you in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted to watch, I don't know, something with Bruce Campbell. Oh, those are great. 
I, that's my understanding of them. And I was like, no, we will not be doing that. And he was like, but you tell those stories of like when you were a teenager and you'd like go to like the late night, like midnight movie. And I was like, yeah, I know. But like in retrospect, I was clinically depressed with the drinking problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> so hard. I know. <laughs> yeah, that did. That really stopped him dead in his tracks. And he was like, mm, OK, yeah, all right. I guess, I guess we're done here. I guess we're done. No. <laughs> Speaking of being done here. I know. Did we did we cover the things that we wanted to cover today, friend? This was a different sort of episode in that, like, mm-hmm. I feel like if anything, it was it was sort of a mock version of like me if I were a client and you were you the therapist? No, but you were like the supportive friend. Yeah, I mean that's like literally what this this was this was literally us having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Less mm-hmm. for our audience, although you got to, you know partake. Yeah, you had to peek in, mm-hmm. like and poke a hole into the bat cave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But truly, it was just I. We've never had a conversation about what it is about horror that is so upsetting. That's true, and now we have. And I mean, it's a significant genre. So hopefully, mm-hmm. this was interesting or entertaining for listeners Mm -hmm. and i think one of the things that like you know we did highlight or i certainly was trying to use all the way through is of course Mm -hmm. everyone's favorite internal family systems parts work Mm -hmm. this idea of consciousness being multifaceted and really throughout our conversation today i was you know pretty mindfully speaking for my parts Mm -hmm. like i was connecting to the parts of me that like hold big feelings of terror around horror films, connecting to the parts of me that like still have that like rage when my bike was stolen all those years ago. Yeah. But not being overwhelmed by them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also got to like interspurts nuggets of like, how might a person in this case, me cope when faced with things that evoke intense, unpleasant emotion. (laughs) (laughs) And Criticism was something, it's something that I go to. And mm-hmm. I do think it's something that like some humans go to. So I guess like my invitation listeners would be, if you are also like sitting there as you're listening to this and thinking like, hmm, there are certain things that I've like read or listened to or watch mm-hmm. where I actually am noticing or realizing that I go to a more critical place. That's like an invitation for further reflection and inquiry. Not while you're engaging with the medium. That's going to be overwhelming because, mm-hmm. you know, your nervous system is probably already a little overwhelmed. But it might be an invitation to be like, hmm, what am I having a big feeling to? What am I responding to? Um, if you're listening and you're a film critic and you're like, yeah, I do that all the time. It's like, well, that that does make sense. It's right there in the title for you, friend. <laughs> yeah, look, you've monetized it. That's right. That's right. And we got to be out there. Make it bank, but not too much bank, because then we get brain malaise. <laughs> That's from a different episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, this, was, this was enlightening for me. Mm. Um, I, it's not going to stop me from being sad that you don't want to watch no. the Michael Myers movies with me. <laughs> because they're just, uh, they're such classics. And I, and this conversation is not going to (laughs) change my limitations when it comes to horror. Um, But I think I do have a more nuanced appreciation for why it works for you and the things Mm -hmm. that you really love about it. And I also feel like I have more of an understanding of like what is upsetting about it to me. Mm -hmm. And 
I think like the final thing I'm going to offer that folks can like take or leave, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever feels best is that knowing why you feel what you feel often isn't going to change that you feel it. If I had a penny for every time a client has said, well, I figured that out already. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know that about yourself. It doesn't magically change anything. No. Sure doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, you know, a fallacy of the Enlightenment. We thought that <laughs> understanding would change our feelings. Mm-hmm. And understanding helps us figure out what to do mm-hmm. when we have a feeling. But you can't logic yourself out of sadness. No. Mm-mm. No. No. And I mean, I, I don't like generally engaging in media that is going to make me sad. That's true. That's a, And see, there's a big difference in the other direction, which I think mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit on our last podcast, was mm-hmm. that, like, I love me some sadness. I like to sit down and just cry. The, Pino- the, the film Pinocchio, the Guillermo del Toro. Oh, oh my God, he won his award at the Oscars. I, I watched know. like the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he had that line where he was like, mama, papa, like, or you are my mama, you are my papa, and I am your son, which is straight from the Pinocchio books. And I was, mm-hmm. I just like wept all over again. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I, I love Guillermo. I know, but like, I think my love for sadness is very similar or analogous to your mm-hmm. love for horror. Interesting. And that, like, you are just like moth to a flame. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm going to incinerate myself <laughs> if I watch that horror. But sadness, I'm like, yeah, give me some sadness all day long. I'm like, yes, that's the stuff of life. <laughs> but, but life and death, that's not the stuff of life. Yeah, but like, sadness is what comes out of a confrontation with life and death. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Friends at home, I hope you're taking something away. Me too. Um, <laughs> if if you take nothing else away, I think this was a beautiful experiential mm, of yeah. what we talked about on the New Year Nerd You episode mm-hmm. when we talked about like understanding what our loved ones care about. Yeah. And making sense of it, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Mm-hmm. So this was I'll sort see. of, you know, you got to see us play it out. Yeah. Where, you know, neither one of us needs to change. No. It's just increased understanding allows for greater amounts of compassion. Well said, sir. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. Thank you to our fabulous executive producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. We would definitely save you from the upside down every time. And welcome and congratulations to Lieutenant Kyle Rebar. You've got a fancy new pip. And not only did you compose our theme song, but you're our new producer. Yay. Be So welcome again, Kyle. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. 
just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life, is still available for sale wherever you get your books. And if you are a mental health or other well-being provider and you are interested in learning more about some of the work that we do, our book, The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients When It Feels Like the End of the World, is available for pre-sale. We're not going to edit that. Just, you know what? I'm going to verbalize to normalize. Sometimes words don't come out right. Uh, <laughs> pre-sales really do matter, folks, so please pick up a copy for yourself or if you have a beloved therapist in your life. Perhaps they do your therapy for you. You can give them the gift of sadness. Sad. <laughs> Which Larissa believes is the real stuff of that's life. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, that's all for now, friends. Live long and, and prosper. prosper.